This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into a, an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, we have Brown Martinez. He runs an incredible podcast called Spectrum of Strangeness, and it is the place where the physical meets the psychic. Uh, On this episode, guys, we go down all sorts of great rabbit holes. He is a phenomenal talk to. You will love this episode, and furthermore, you will love his show. So linked down in the show notes is uh, all the ways to find him. So his Instagram, I think Twitter as well, and then his uh, just a direct link to one of his episodes. Guys, I'll go ahead and throw his show in the show notes so that y'all can go keep track of him. Uh, This young man's amazing. He does some incredible work on these amazing topics. So uh, down in the show notes as well is more about this show. If you want to expand your interaction with us here, uh, check the show notes for our website. Also from there, you can get to all the socials, YouTube, Rockfin, where all of our premium content and extra stuff is going to be, as well as our merch down there as well. So uh, without any further ado, guys, let's get to this amazing conversation with Brown Martinez. All right, ladies and gentlemen, extremely special episode. We have Brown Martinez from Spectrum of Strangeness, one of the coolest podcasts out there. And I just wanted to get him on, talk to him about some awesome stuff and let you guys know about his show as well. Uh, Brown is badass, dude. You do some phenomenal research. And I was just very impressed uh, when I saw not only your show, but your Instagram page. Like You just have a very cool way of uh, presenting this kind of amazing information. So uh, before we get launching into the high strangeness, uh, tell my audience, just a little bit about you, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, but I, I just got into this stuff really more recently. I mean, I've, I've always been into weird stuff as a kid, as I say on my show frequently. I've always been into horror films, sci-fi, aliens and stuff like that. Then I went off to college, studied engineering. And that's when, you know, really kind of my, my, uh, my interest shifted for a while. Because, you know, when you're in college and you're studying that kind of discipline, it, it really forces you to do away with a lot of these weird thoughts in your head. And I got out of college and I was just, just deeply dissatisfied with what came after college. And uh, I found that most people that I went to school with and most people that I knew that I worked with as well also had that deep dissatisfaction with what they were doing, but they just didn't know about it. I, for some reason, realized it and I wanted to do something about it. So I kind of got into this attitude of like, you know, it's got to say yes to everything, kind of like yes, man type of thing. 
And a friend and I were a few years ago, we're talking about doing a podcast. It was one of those things that it was like, yeah, it'd be cool if we did that. <laughs> but it was never really a serious thing. And then one day he texted me, he was volunteering at this internet radio station. So hey, you want to do a radio show? I was like, oh shit, man. I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And that kind of became like our first rendition of, uh, of the show it was called at that point, it was called living the dream. And it was really a, a radio show about talking about stuff like this, like uh, about how people are just dissatisfied with work and stuff like that. And, and what, what you could do to just, you know, expand your, uh, I guess your reality and, uh, and, and really go after what you are actually good at and what you're interested in. And then I let, I took that into a podcast format and it became this show called typical human behavior. Cause one of my interests is also human behavior, how humans respond to anything from propaganda to daily life. But then at some point I began to really get an itch for this weirdness again. I started to hear more, you know, this UFO stuff's coming in. I'm like, what's going on with that stuff again? And back then I was still with the ET hypothesis. I kind of just figured, oh yeah, UFOs are really, it must come from planet, whatever, and not her space. And then I would, I'm not sure what exactly prompted this. It may have been like something I heard from Jacques Vallée or something like that, but I became aware that there were these other theories that UFOs probably don't come from outer space, uh, that they that might something be more complex happening. And that's what really piqued my interest. I was like, whoa, 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 what is going on here? And pretty much from there, um, I just started to lose interest in the stuff that I was talking about at, at the, in the typical human behavior podcast. And I rebranded the show as what is it is now called spectrum of strangeness. And that's really the, the rendition that you see currently. It's an awesome show, dude. You really do a great job on this. Like your research, Thanks, like man. I said, I was listening to a few of yours and I was just like, God, I got to get this guy on. You were just way too cool. Uh, and it it does seem like you go through this kind of uh, period of like we were talking uh, before we started recording here about the that this is like this matrix. You know, this is this system that you're born into. And there's so many um, references to the movie, The Matrix, uh, that you can't, you know, deny it, you know, and, and I think, though, that's still part of kind of like the psyop of all this whole thing is people go, oh, you mean like the movie The Matrix? Oh, you mean like E.T.? You mean like little aliens like in that movie? It's like, well, maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's an element of predictive programming, which we talk a lot about here on the show. And maybe there is a way that they kind of parcel out this information. Maybe The Matrix is exactly a documentary, like that quote from, you know, Keanu Reeves says, but uh, it might be closer to the truth. But when you start to branch out from that idea and you do start to pay attention to the little shiny things that float around here, like UFOs or like Bigfoot or like any high strangeness, like odd synchronicities, time travel, when you start looking into all that stuff, it's like, dude, this is so much cooler than the boring ass world that they told us was all there is, right? So uh, what was the first thing that piqued your interest? What was the first high strangeness element you came across that was like, I got to check out more of this? So there were two things on, on the high strangeness side. It was when I, when, when I heard that, uh, that there was this potential connection between Bigfoot and UFOs. Before that, I, I just completely thought that it was two separate things. Again, you know, I had my more, uh, you know, my, I guess, regular person-ish or a matrix belief that uh, Bigfoot was, if it was real, it was an undiscovered ape or something along those lines. But then um, I think it was a, an episode that I heard on uh, higher side chats with uh, the, the guys from Strange Familiars. And they had this book out... Uh, 
God, what's the name of that type? The Bigfoot High Strangeness, basically. And that's when they 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 had this idea that uh, Bigfoot was also experienced at the same time as UFOs by some people. And I was like, what? And that just blew my mind because while some people know, oh, people just report weird stuff and that's it. You're going to believe that? It's like, yeah, but when you see people reporting the same things over different time periods in different parts of the world, that is to me impossible to fabricate. Like you can't, uh, it's just too much, too far-fetched to believe that everybody's in on that. Like everybody worldwide, different time frames is going to make up these stories. And so that really began to, and, and the term high strangeness itself, I was like, what is this term? Because I, I knew of supernatural, paranormal, but high strangeness, I was like, what is it? What, what does that mean? And Skinwalker Ranch also, just the fact that there was this one little hot spot where all of these stuff, these things were happening in the, at the same place. And that to me gave me the idea that it was possible that all these things from poltergeist activity, uh, UFOs, Bigfoot, and stuff like that, uh, shadow people were all somehow connected. It was almost like Skinwalker Ranch and other places like it were kind of hinting at, hey, guys, look over here. This, there might be a connection between all this stuff. Hint, you know, hint, hint. And I really kind of went for that. Uh, and so on the high strangeness side, it was really that. It was the Bigfoot UFO connection along with places like Skinwalker Ranch the, or the Sierra Sounds and that Sierra Camp from Missing 401. Um, but then on the show, I cover, I guess, two main topics. is high strangeness and uh, alternate history, uh, alternate ancient history for the most part currently. And uh, how I got into that was when I heard um, Robert Schock on Joe Rogan. That I, I first caught the clip of the Sphinx water erosion hypothesis. I just kind of saw it. I'm like, what is that Sphinx? I, I was always interested in ancient Egypt as a kid. And so I checked that out. And, and it was at the point where Robert Schock was telling Rogan that uh, there was water erosion around the Sphinx enclosure and on the Sphinx body. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he kind of just gave a couple more details. And I was like, uh, that kind of just blew me away at that moment because I had basic understanding of ancient Egypt where I, you know, that we were told that the Sphinx and the pyramids were built approximately at around 2,500 BC. And I knew that once he said the water erosion was probably from rainfall, I was like, whoa, because I, I mean, this thing is sitting on the Eastern edge of the Sahara desert it hasn't rained that much in like the last 10,000 years. And just when he said that, I was like, whoa. And I just went in, um, listened to the rest of the episode, got into Graham Hancock from there. And it's, those are the two main things that I cover basically on the, on the show is ancient lost technology, lost civilizations, and high strangeness. And the reason why I focus on those two is because my gut tells me, I don't know how exactly, but I have this hunch that there is a connection between those two, ancient lost technology and civilizations, alternate history. And high strangeness. I'm not sure what the connection is, but they seem somehow related to me. I love this. And I haven't, I, my wife and I actually have been talking a lot about like this split and what's going on with the world right now. And this Dolores Cannon idea, this spiritual idea that there is two different places basically that are splitting apart. And it's the world that we know it that's splitting into what, what's been referred to as the 3D and the 5D, right? And so I actually have a theory connecting to exactly what you're talking about. What if? Uh, these were all creatures and things that existed here in the physical 3D world a long fucking time ago, right? 
But what if these spiritual type of shifts occur all the time? Now, whenever people refer to the 3D and the 5D split, it's basically like the the frequencies can't exist in the same place as one another. But the 5D, if we're going with this model, is a higher resonant frequency. Therefore, the 5D has access to the 3D, but the 3D can't perceive the 5D unless there's some extenuating circumstances. Let's say... In the case of ley lines, let's say in the case of these areas of high strangeness, like what you said, Skinwalker or the Meadow, uh, Tim Hudson's project. Um, Now, let's say that perhaps they've all, these entities, these creatures have all transcended into a fifth dimensional reality, but still have access to the third. Now, us as the new kids on the block-ish can see these things and kind of interact with them when they want us to or when they dial their frequency to this reality, right? But maybe we are now shifting into that state and that's why they're becoming either more evident, more visible, uh, because we're kind of raising to that vibration. And you hear this a lot with things like mediumship and entity contact, uh, especially extra, what's known as extraterrestrials, is that you have to adjust your vibe, they adjust their vibe down to you, and that's how they're perceivable to you because you've altered the way in which you interact with whatever the hell's going on in this reality. So it may be that these ancient you know, creatures that were a high advanced civilization connected to an alternate history model like what you were saying because I'm with you. Uh, you know, they could have been entities that have evaporated into this 50 and then just kind of interact with us on this level and that's kind of um, I guess a precursor. It's kind of like a sneak peek as to what we're evolving into next, perhaps. Now, Damn, I- bro, I like that. that that's, cool. that's cool shit. Yeah, that makes you think of... Um- you ever, you ever read any, any John Keel? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he has these these accounts of uh, of people who who see the UFOs and they they change color and shape as they're seeing them, and that kind of makes me think of like if you're like a two D person and a sphere passes through your two D world, you you see at first a dot and then a circle that gets bigger, and then when it, as the sphere is passing through the two D, it gets back to going smaller, back into a dot. And the fact that some people report these UFOs changing shape and color, and they 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 go from the the full spectrum of the color the the color spectrum, that kind of tells me that 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 there might be this interdimensional interaction, where um, you know all, all that we can perceive is the change of color and the change of shape, but to you know a four D five D being the shape would be fully revealed to them, but not to us. We can only see a sliver of it. To what you were saying, there's a book, uh, this book right here. Have you ever heard of that or read it? I have not. Okay, so this is The Fourth Dimension by um, by Rudy Rucker, and this exactly explains exactly what you were just talking about. It's a breakdown on a book written in the 30s uh, called Flatland, and it's basically the same exact idea. And what they do is they go through in here, and this dude will visually show you exactly what you're talking about, about a sphere passing through a two-dimensional reality and what it would look like, right? So there's tons of, I'm holding the book up for the audio only listeners, but uh, go check it out. In fact, in lieu of this conversation, I will link it in the bottom for reference. Uh, You should still be able to find it somewhere, but it's a really interesting read. So 
Whenever you talk about concepts like different dimensions and how they would appear to us, John Keel did a wonderful job on this. And I've had a guy on the show called Brent Rains. I need to hook you two up. He wrote a book about John Keel, the man, the myth, and the mysteries. The man, the mystery, and the myths. So uh, I will hook you up with this dude. He is phenomenal, knows more about John Keel than anybody. He, at 14 years old, was a pen pal with John Keel. And he's kicking around. He runs a a show called Alternate Perceptions. I'll hook you two up. You would love him. But anyway... um, this connection between high strangeness, all these entities, and it it, it is stuff that Valet, uh, Kiel, um, even um, Heineck, there towards the end of his life with Sufa, started talking about that there's this all connected high strangeness. And I'm with you. I completely agree. I love this part of it. And it's funny that you said the Bigfoot thing because that was my first thing. Mm. Whenever you take a look at each of these high strangeness phenomena, and that's fine. People plant their flags and they get into these camps and that's great. We need the cryptozoologist camp to just check the hell out of what Chupacabra is and figure that out, right? But then also, whenever you go down the UFO or the alien one, yeah, I'm, I'm with you and I think we all start there, really, uh, that they're little green men or something coming from another planet traversing in this physical reality, right? We try and explain things based on our perception of what we view around us. And high strangeness really doesn't come into play until you alter your perception on what reality is capable of you know presenting to you so mm-hmm. whenever that switch happens is when you start going oh shit bigfoot and ufos hang out and i've heard some crazy stories about like aliens saying yeah bigfoots are just like our bitch you know they're just like dumb you know little um they're the muscle right they're kind of these gooberish type muscle type creatures and it's kind of like again back to the predictive programming thing bigfoot looks a lot like uh chewy on um freaking star wars right so maybe it is maybe this is just another entity out there that's running around hanging out having these cool adventures on starships and they're just kind of like the muscle they're like this extra entity that can do cool stuff right <laughs> yeah also reading passport to Magonia really kind of blew me away as to this history of uh, ufo encounters or alien encounters that this idea that we just call them ufos and aliens now because that's the term that we are most comfortable with that makes the most sense to us but in previous uh times people call these things fairies or elves or gnomes or whatever or sky gods there's a guy that I work with who is very religious and we talk about this stuff sometimes because he's, he's open-minded enough to talk, to entertain some of these ideas. And I also read American cosmic, which is his connection to like religion and UFOs and stuff. And I was telling this guy, I'm like, dude, take, for example, the story of the birth of Jesus. Because I, um, I grew up in, uh, I guess like a semi-Catholic household where I would, you know, read the Bible occasionally. And some of the stuff just like the, Never made a whole lot of sense to me, but once I started learning about the, you know, the history of UFOs and even psychedelics and stuff like that, I was like, whoa, this is, you know, I think between psychedelic experiences and high strangeness, I think that might explain most of religion. Um, I was telling this guy, I'm like, dude, the story of the birth of Jesus, there was a supposedly a, a star, the star of Bethlehem appeared that led the three kings to where Jesus was to bring the gifts and all, all kinds of uh, stuff like that. And, and then the, apparently the light just went away when, once they got there. And like scientifically, that doesn't make any sense. A star can't just be born and die within days or weeks or however long it was there for. But I'm like, you're telling me that a light in the sky led the three kings to the the birth of this significant person in history or being in history. I'm like, that is a UFO encounter. If I've ever heard of one. Yes. And that, and I think that when you read the Bible with this stuff in mind, it just gives it a whole different meaning. Have you ever heard of Micah Dank? 
I've heard the name. I think I've heard her on on Tinfoil a, a while back. Yeah, uh, yeah, I saw that you had it as a guest, but I haven't checked that episode out yet. He's an astrotheologist, astrothe- so he basically says that all of the Bible and most religious texts have done all of them are basically just star maps. They just show you the constellations, uh, the zodiacs, and they're a way to kind of. Um, maintain life based on your observation of the stars and when to plant, when to harvest, you know, all of these things. So it's basically just like an allegory for a star map and that's it. Now I'm with you though. I I think that a lot of religions that explain some things as what they would consider hierophanies or these places of high religion, hierophany, I learned from Diana Pasolka's book, uh, America Cosmic. And that's just a way where the gods come down to earth and then interact with humans in some way. So Bethlehem is one of these. Uh, I know Mecca is another one. But then you look at things like when related to the UFO phenomena, uh, and she points out in that book, Roswell is a hierophany for us, right? Because we look at this as a place where the gods or these creatures that we study come down to earth and interact with us mere mortals, right? And so whenever you look at it from that perspective, I'm completely with you. I think that most of the things when you talk about, um, like in the book of Enoch or Ezekiel's wheel or something like that, uh, and as well relating to Noah and the flood, that, you know, an ark with two of every animal, physically impossible. But if you were to look at it from the perspective of an advanced civilization who perhaps had a ship um, that could extract DNA samples and then gather all of those for a reseeding of the earth by means of a technology, then that's a much more apt, like when you start looking at it through that perspective, you're like, yeah, yeah, that that makes total sense, right? But whenever you talk about people back in the day who would explain their surroundings by these metaphors or these allegories of, yes, a light in the sky, you know, and now people would have said a UFO. Um, Or you look at things like we just said about Noah's flood. It wasn't a gigantic boat that carried two physical of every animal. Literally, it carried the DNA strands of them, right? There, There are simpler explanations. And then when we look around and try and explain something like the mechanics of our universe or the cycles that we view, uh, in the context of like a simulation or a game, well, we needed games and simulations to be created before we had that reference to be able to observe our reality and put it into that light. So um, I, I enjoy kind of seeing where the phenomena goes. And I think it's fascinating how it shifts and how it morphs and changes, you know, back to the John Keel thing where the ships are different lights and colors and they morph and change. Um, people have reported, you know, seeing a UFO turn into a jetliner and then fly off, you know, just like a normal plane in the sky. Uh, there's been tons of accounts of these things being able to morph their position in the sky or their appearance to us, which I find absolutely fascinating. So um, what do you what do you think the whole damn thing is? What do you think the phenomena is all about? I think, uh, I mean, if I try to put it in human terms, uh, I always compare, you know, the humans to ants, you know, that kind of connection where um, even though ants have a pretty complex society and, you know, complex way of, of being, they still probably, there's no way that they could really comprehend what are, are just more basic lifestyles, like why we do what we do. Um, and these interactions between humans and higher beings, UFOs, whatever you want to call them, I'm very fascinated by. I did an episode recently where I talk about UFO crash landings. And I think in, in Jacques Vallée's recent book, Trinity, he kind of uh, toys with this idea of what if these crash landings aren't accidents. And so I kind of just took that and did a whole episode on, on that. And I kind of just figured that, you know, what would be, a, 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 
if I had an ant farm and I wanted these ants to behave a certain way, or if I wanted to test them, you know, test their ability in a certain way, obviously I, I can't go in and talk to the ants directly. Hey, can you guys try this out? What about this? You know, can, you, can you try this experiment out? But I, what I could do is I would leave little like things that to the ants on their anthill. Hey, hey ants, see what you can do with this. Can you guys figure out how this little thing works? And let them and just observe them. And that's what I think maybe UFO crash landings might be. Because on the one hand, it kind of, I mean, maybe sure, if these things are flying around, maybe some of them are just idiots and they just crash land. Like, oh, no, no, don't push that button. And then they just, they just crash. And then, like, and then we just we just gather up some of the, the, the remnants of that. But if they are as advanced as we, as some people think they are, or some researchers think they are, then do they really just crash land? Like kind of like how we crash our cars, like people were just texting and they just you know, run a red light. It kind of makes more sense to me that they, they leave these things for people and to kind of to test what our current uh, knowledge is like. Are we able to take these crafts and reverse engineering at this point? Are we able to somehow replicate the materials or what, uh, what will we do with the bodies that we found? I mean, the bodies could be, could just even be, you know, like, um, like droids, basically, they might even be real beings. And that makes more sense to me that these interactions, uh, Jacques Vallée talks about this, how the, the, um, what do you call it? The, the doings of a higher intelligence would seem absurd to the lower intelligence. Like when my dog sees me go to work, when he sees me do what I do here, I mean, I don't think he understands really. I and mean, he observed, he was like, oh, okay. But I don't think he actually obviously has any understanding as to why I have to do some of these things. It probably seems absurd to him. Just how, when we see what people report, like UFOs and Bigfoot, that seems completely ludicrous. But the, the, there might be a very specific purpose to the higher beings that there's this connection to Bigfoot and UFOs. So on the one hand, that's kind of how my mind tries to categorize that with uh, you know, with analogies as to what we have here. How how do we behave with ants? I mean, we destroy anthills to build uh, apartment buildings. They have no idea why we have to destroy their entire societies just to build a Dutch Brothers, you know? Yep. Um, same thing with the missing 401 phenomenon, you know, the, the missing people in the woods. I mean, people have different ideas about that. But if, if it's true, the way David Politis presents it, that it's something, these people go somewhere, or they're taken maybe or whatever is happening to them. I kind of think of like what we do to animals in the wild. We take and we kill animals for not just one reason, but for a variety of reasons to either eat them, to poach them or to do scientific research on them. You know, we take them for a little while, maybe bring them back. That's how, you know, some of them, they, they, they are, they do come back. They come back dead typically, but I, I don't think that there is one explanation for things like that. I think that uh, when you, when you really uh, compare how we treat lower intelligences or what, what, what we deem as lower intelligence on this planet, that might be, in my opinion, a good way to, to think about what these, what these things are. You know, we, we probably can't really ever understand what they're about, what they want, but just the same as animals can't understand what we do, why we take them, why we extract blood put in the sleep for a few hours and then they wake up. Oh, what the fuck was that? Um, so that's kind of how I, I try to make sense of it all. If I, if I try to, I kind of enjoy the mystery, but. 
No, and the mystery is what it's all about, man. But I, I love the idea of aliens planting things here, whatever they are. We'll call them aliens for the sake of the argument, right? Sure. Um, but, but, but I like the idea of them kind of planting stuff here. You know, it's as if we take like tools out um, and like drop a hammer or something like that in with the chimpanzee population and we'll maybe use the hammer around them. Like we've seen a UFO fly. We know they can do that. But whenever they come down to earth, that ability is no longer there until we figure out how to make it work. And maybe that's what's, you know, the reverse engineering and all that kind of stuff is all about. It's like an exciting puzzle for us to figure out. I, I wish it wasn't the military doing it. I wish that, you know, we we could do something altruistic with that technology if that's what it is. But also it, it seems like, and, and I'm with you on the animals uh, kind of analogy, because whenever we talk about a prison planet idea, this is exactly where my mind goes with it. It's like, well, look at what we do. You know, everything that we can kind of observe, even this high strangeness stuff, is in reference to what we can perceive and comprehend and conceptualize. So whenever you look at it like that, it makes a lot more sense. It's like, oh, this huge mystery, let's relate it to something that's not necessarily palatable, but you know, understandable in our reality as well, which would be, you know, just taking a bear out and tagging it for their population and seeing how they're doing, you know, in the wild or whatever. Or like you said, there's other people that go out, you know, human beings, other entities that either could tag and release this animal for study and be very, very gentle on it, or they could kill it and poach it for something else, right? Same entity. Um, but from that bear's perspective, it doesn't know what to expect with us. And that's why I think that there's also, whenever you get these variety of kind of reports of these horrible abduction cases or these wonderful abduction cases, you don't know, you know, the option's always there to kind of have a, either a shitty experience or a great experience either way. Right. Uh, or yeah. maybe it's all a shitty experience and they convince you that it was a great experience um, just because, you know, you're happy to be in the show. You know, you're happy to be there. So uh, have you personally had any high strangeness uh, occur in your life? I actually have not. Um, before, I would really crave it. You know, like, oh, I really want to see a UFO. I really want to experience something like this. But then once you look into this stuff, I'm like, it is kind of like a roll in the dice. It might be a life changing positive experience or it might be completely traumatic and it could ruin your life. So I'm like, ah, so for now, I'm good. I mean, I'm good not ex letting other people experience it and I'll, I'll just read about it. But no, I've never really had any, any experience like that. So you're like me, I haven't either that I know of, but I have a theory on this too. I think that folks like me and you that are super curious about this and really want to follow all the rabbit holes, I don't know that we'll ever have any high strangeness occur to us because it might perturb our observation of the experience. It might be filtered through what we physically encountered and now we have kind of a reference point. Now we filter everything through that. Uh, maybe, you know, or maybe, you know, we'll definitely do it. Just not yet. Right. Yeah. I do think about that sometimes. Like, do do I know too much or am I too curious to experience some of this stuff? They're like, nah, leave that guy alone. He, he's going to, he's going to know a little too much, but that dude that doesn't know what the fuck's going on, take that guy. Yes. Because it's like us. We would just be asking questions the whole time, right? Be like, right. Uh, how's yeah. your gravity drive work? Like, is the earth flat around it? You know, uh, how's time travel work? Like I would be the most annoying abductee ever because I would just be trying to get to the bottom of it because I, <laughs> like you said, I know too much, but you hear this a lot with people who investigate high strangeness stuff. Sometimes uh, they're craving it. They want it. It's like, dude, I go outside and look for UFOs all the time. Never seen one. Uh, but maybe that's part of the thing, right? Maybe it's like, well, that's not for us. It's for these 
people who are unsuspecting and don't think or expect it, uh, those are the ones that get interacted with. Or, I mean, you have been definitely interacted with, it's just they don't let us remember. I'm I'm kind of more in the camp that everyone's been abducted. If this mm. place is a prison planet idea or we're a resource or we're so accessible to these entities, um, then it, it's probably more closer to the truth that we've all been abducted. We just don't remember it or they won't let us remember it. Interesting. Yeah, it's probably... I do think that there there is this kind of connection. Uh, I, somehow, I think consciousness that seems to be related to this stuff. Um, and there are these reports. That there's a guy. The there's a video that went viral a number of years ago. I guess before even things went really viral. Um, the guy who who called UFOs to him. It was like this news channel story. It was a uh, uh, I don't know like the, the exact details, but basically it was like a local news thing and the guy claimed to be able to call UFOs to him. And he's like, yeah, whenever I, I call them, they just show up. And so the local news ran a story thinking the guy was full of shit. And they send out like a, you know, a small team, like a camera guy and a reporter. And they're interviewing this guy. It's like, All right, look, let me just do my thing here. And he kind of just stands there and he's meditating or, or something. And you, you you could tell the camera guy and the reporter were just like this fucking guy. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, they actually see a UFO show up and it's like a little thing in the sky and the guy's like, man. And then, and then when you look it up on, I think it's still on YouTube. When you look it up, it cuts to the reporter calling the production team back. It's like, Hey, so a UFO actually showed up. Uh, what did we do? And they, they kind of just leave it there, but you're like, okay, how, how is that guy able to do that? And, and, and there was this, um, have you read a book called the messengers by Mike Cleland? Uh-uh. It's a book basically about this, potential connection between owls and UFOs and aliens. Um, and there's this one story there of uh, a mother is hanging out. Uh, I think it was in her backyard. She's got, she had a hammock and her, her young boy comes over and, and, and chills with her. And then uh, two owls show up. Uh, they just fly right up to them. And it's, you know, up until that was a pretty mystical experience because how often do owls just show up like that, right, right at you. And so the, uh, they're just taken aback, and the mother tells the son, to, oh, you know, we should make a wish. And the son, uh, they close their eyes, and the son is like, I wish that we could see a UFO. And then when they open their eyes, there is a UFO above them. And you're like, okay, if these things are coming from a different planet light years away, you're telling me that these things just got a, like a, a text mentally? and like, all right, guys, we, we got to show up. Come on, come on, come on get over there. We got, we got two light years to get here. Can we do it in like two seconds? I mean, it just seems like something more complex and magical is happening than they're coming from really far away. That they, there might be this connection between consciousness and these things. And some people for, for one reason or another, they just know a pathway in their mind, maybe that they can go to and call these things. And they, they, they show up and not even, from the next planet over, but maybe the next channel over, the next dimension over is kind of how I how I see that. The consciousness connection to this cannot be understated. And I'm completely there with you. This is one of the biggest red herrings as far as them perhaps not being from other planets coming here in long distance type things that we can imagine with our technology or what we would make, right, to traverse those distances. I'm with you on this. Now, if you think about it from the perspective, and I tend to lean a little bit more this way, of course, I don't know, but that we're all one, that any life form, any entity, any molecule, any atom here is all you. There's nothing separate from you. If you if you look at it on this scale, then yes, whenever you, and you can think of this from your 
3D body perception of that if somebody's looking at you, like behind you or something, you just have that feeling, you know, the sixth sense kind of a thing, and you turn around and boom, you make eye contact and bam, there they are. Now, also, you can kind of, you know, know things are happening. There is this kind of deep lizard brain type of a reactionary type of a thing where you can tap into this stuff, right? But it may be that's the the actual red herring as far as being able to see that these things are not from other star systems or that we are incredibly connected or that you are all that's out here and that's all this is all just a holographic universe anyway and everything you're projecting out in front of you is what's coming back to you now if you think of this on scales of entities right now i'm with you there's no real hierarchy but if we talk about it from our perspective we consider fish to be lower entities than us right but if you think about this we all exist in the same area at the same time so ufos aliens entities all of these quote-unquote higher dimensional beings exist in this ether of this soup of reality as well so from a fish's perspective when we go fishing we are abducting them out of the water coming from one medium that they can exist in and thrive in to another medium, the air, the oxygen, where we thrive in. And we're yanking them out of their environment to pull them into ours. They're interacted. You know, the it's got to be confusing. It's got to be disorienting from the perspective of that animal. And then we'd send them back if you catch and release. Some of them don't come back, like the 411 that you're talking about. Sometimes when you catch and release, they die. Uh, or they swim back down and they're trying to tell their friends, hey, dude, there's the whole other world up there. I got yanked out, I got pulled up, and these entities are up there, and it's the craziest damn thing. And of course, they're going to go, dude, you're crazy, right? But from our perspective, we can see that we all exist in the same place. Fish are on the same area. I've got a pond out here. I could walk down, and there's fish right there. But they don't interact with us. Now, if you think about it, maybe uh, there's a psychic connection between you and other entities here to where they know you're coming. It's that animal sense type of a thing, but also where they can communicate with you. You talk about people who just know animals and just have this sixth sense with them and this connection with them, then it's entirely possible that some of us humans mere animals from the aliens perspective could have communication with them on that level. And that it's all just the same damn thing. It's just different I don't know, flavors of the same entity of the same consciousness, right? Yeah, it gets uh, that reminds me of the allegory of the cave where you're talking about how some, some people come back and try to explain what they saw. They're like, oh, this guy's full of shit. Exactly. Because, uh, and that gives me the idea that people in ancient times maybe had a better, a better understanding, but they were more open to this to 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 talk about this stuff. Now it's kind of, it's still kind of taboo, even though it's kind of. Um, revving up in the mainstream a little bit here and there, but it seems that people in ancient times maybe had a, a bit of a more open mind towards stuff like this. And the allegory of the cave is one of my favorite stories because of that. Cause uh, I mean, it's, it's connected to the matrix in, in some ways and you can see the, the similarities there, but also to this high strangeness stuff that people sometimes come back with these stories and people don't really believe them. And it also makes me wonder what, what really, def, uh, what really makes a person, follow this stuff what makes them open to this stuff because that's something that i've never really understood about myself you know i've always been interested in weird stuff like this and i know a bunch of people who are like yeah i mean it's cool but it's not going to pay my bills next week so why should i care about ufos and i'm like yeah but i mean if you grew up in like a religious household or if you go to church it's possible that what you're worshiping is a manifestation of these things and you don't even know it. So in some way, yeah, it's not going to pay your bills, but your whole life and reality could be shaped by these experiences that you, that you just throw away as like, it's meaningless, you know? Exactly. Whenever you boil it down, I think that all of it's the same damn thing. I think religions are 
after the same thing that we are. It's just a different way of explaining to the different, I guess, maturity of soul. Let's say that perhaps this is a reincarnation type of a reality that we live in, okay? And that if you do reincarnate, maybe that there's certain levels of experience. Let's say, let's relate it to riding a ride, okay? So let's say that you go to a theme park, you find this roller coaster, it's your first time to ride it, and people are like, okay, that's going to be really scary. There's people who've been on the ride before that kind of coach you through it. All right, man, this this drop is crazy looking, but it's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. But you're still scared. You've still got, you know, that anxiety or that excitement, right? Which the two can be um, very indistinguishable. But let's say that you relate this then to life or your experience here, you know, like Bill Hicks's thing, it's all just a ride anyway, right? Well, if that's the case, then there are some of us who choose to go on this ride multiple times. And maybe people like me and you perhaps have been on the ride a whole bunch. And we've been through the whole religion thing. We've, we've gone through it a whole bunch and been like, ah, you don't have to be scared, you know, to believe in that or, but it kind of sets you, you know, it gives you a little bit of a compass. It gives you a compass due to fear, but uh, it's still a compass nonetheless. And it still kind of points out that there are bigger things here that need exploring. And so perhaps that's just a younger soul's way of exploring the ideas and kind of getting coached into them. And then whenever you recycle as older souls or you choose to go on the ride several more times, you can lean into the turns, you know, when they're going to happen. You're like, oh, this is my favorite part and it's exciting. And then you're good. But then there's people screaming that want to get off the ride that (laughs) don't understand what's going on, no matter how much you kind of verbally prep them into that it's going to be okay kind of a thing. But I also think that the levels of experience are important here for this experience if you kind of go with the model that it's just a ride. So uh, what do you think the purpose of all of this is? Um, I kind of think, uh, again, if I, if I try to put it in like, I guess, human terms, uh, just like a, a learning experience, like um, – that we're here to learn something. And that's why I think that, I mean, there's a whole, um, the Eastern philosophy kind of meditation thing where, uh, I feel like a life is suffering basically. And that, and pretty much most of everything is about some kind of suffering. You suffer through things, um, you know, loved ones die. You suffer through all that. A lot, most of life seems to be about enduring some kind of suffrage. And that to me kind of gives me the clue that, um, that it's, this is about learning things. And, and perhaps, I mean, I don't know where I stand on reincarnation. I mean, sometimes I really believe in other times I'm like, ah, I don't want to come back here, fucking live another life here. Yeah, I yeah. wish it was something different. Um, but, but yeah, that, that also makes sense that if you don't learn what you're supposed to learn, once you, once you, you die, you're like, fuck man, you, to get back in there because you forgot you got you got level two you got that lesson plan you fucked it up you failed so you got to go back in like oh all right cool all right and um it i get the feeling that this is about just a learning experience and not to get into simulation theory because uh i think a lot of people connect that to like a computer like like in the matrix like oh so yeah so you used to unplug things and it's like zeros and ones it's like I mean, that's how the movie kind of, they portray it that way, probably to make people understand it. But I just think that if this is a simulation, it's not at all, you know, it's not run by Windows Vista, you know, it's, right. it's like, right. it's run by what we, what we would think of as magic. Basically, we would, we wouldn't understand it. And um, reincarnation, you know, gives also, you know, these uh, reports of that. I think that's also kind of a red flag that this is kind of a learning experience that, uh um, if we all are one, then 
we possibly did choose to that you and me are just two different points of view of the same being and that also could be the clue that this is a learning experience and that's what i i guess if i try to think about it about what this whole thing is i, I would just boil it down as just that like a learning experience because everything is about change as well and uh i don't think that when you die things just go to you know blackness or something because people are like well it's the same as when you know before you were born i'm like well just because you don't remember anything before you were born doesn't mean that nothing was there i mean that's very i think a very close-minded way of looking at things and just the fact that everything in this reality is not just about suffering but also about change just gives me the idea that death is also about change. That if you were to come back, you probably come back as a different person, a different, uh, I don't know, different race, different, different part of the world. Who knows? But that everything is about change, including death. It's not. I don't believe that it's the end to, to anything, really. I'm with you. Uh, have you heard of the concept of quantum immortality? I've not. Oh my god, I love this shit. So basically, it's that whenever you die, you don't die. Your consciousness shifts to another reality. Now, the arguments on that would be that it's not necessarily this reality. It could be another one, um, or it could be basically like you die in this reality, but what happens is your consciousness shifts to where you just didn't step out into the curb and get creamed by that bus, where you're just like, whoa, whoa, and then the bus goes right by you, right? Um, That could be kind of the way that this whole reality works, and maybe it's like, okay, you died um, because you did something dumb, reset, we're going to go back to position one, and then you're going to continue on because you haven't finished what you came here to do. Now, to the simulation versus like a spiritual type of a thing, a, a god versus an architect, perhaps, I don't think from our perspective, we would e- be able to tell the difference. I think that it would all look the same, because it's the same to that Arthur C. Clarke quote, any advanced technology would look like magic, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe that is what it is. It's magic, but it's also technology. And I'm with you that it's not ran by some shitty windows, whatever, um, that it's got to be some crazy advanced type of a thing. But I think that the biggest hint Uh, Two, that we are, it's either a ride or we're here to learn something is because we don't have access to what happened cognizantly. We don't have access to what happened to us before we were born. Not all of us. Some people can claim that they've had uh, visions of their previous lives, but I don't. Uh, And then you don't know what happens after you die. Again, it's other people coming back from that place saying, here's what happened to me when when I died. Now, there are maybe one or two commonalities, but after that, when you really dig deep, you realize how personal these experiences are for everyone and how they're so different in, you know, life after death type things that it does. It kind of lends more to that it's so personal to you. It's it's so very, this is your world and you're in it. All the other things that are external stimuli are just kind of options for you to experience here. You can choose fear if you want, or you can choose love if you want. You can choose to be a cunt if you want, or you don't. I, it's, it's kind of that, I think, reductive to it. Um, so in the world of distraction and deception, all of the stuff, you know, that's here, uh, what is true for you? What is true for me? I, uh, it's a very, uh, it's a vague question, I guess. Uh, I guess what is true to me is, I mean, I don't know if this is even the, the proper way of answering this, but, uh, that we, that we are, that we are being distracted here, that, um, that there are, that there are bigger things that are out there but for for whatever reason uh it serves the purpose of a certain groups of people to distract us from that um 
you know, I also dabble a bit in conspiracy theories, not necessarily, I guess I wouldn't call that my thing, even though I, I really enjoy looking into that. Like, like, like San Tripoli says, he's got a black belt in conspiracy theories. Yeah. I, I love that, uh, how he phrases that. I have more like a green belt, I'm more, you know, more like, you know, at the early mid levels. Um, but it does, it seems to me that uh, the elites or whatever you want to call them, you know, I don't know if the Illuminati is such a cliche term, but um these groups of people, it, it seems that they know that something is up. Somehow they've, they've become aware either through, I don't know, not researching, but they've have access to information that we don't. And, uh, they want to, they want to set certain traps here, which is why I'm very skeptical and suspicious about this whole idea of uploading your, your consciousness to a computer I'm not, you know, I don't know if it's Elon who's trying to do that or, or, or whomever, but it's an idea that's been tossed around. And I'm just very suspicious about that because if, let's say, I upload myself to a computer and I can live there for eternity, that, that might do away with the, with the whole structure of things. Because if this is a ride or a learning experience, then death probably is just the end of the chapter and you have to just go to the next chapter the next lesson the next ride and if you upload yourself to a computer here that might completely fuck that up and i don't know if uh in the next lifetime there might be a bunch of you know like brain dead people like oh hey what happened to johnny over there well he uploaded this this consciousness in the last lesson so look what happens (laughs) and that's what, and so I think that there, there is this very magical thing about existing, uh, that, that there's something very special about us being here and that it's not just, I mean, not to shit on evolution or science or whatever. I mean, I'm also a fan of science to, to certain degrees, but I just don't think that evolution can really explain all the questions that people have about existence and about consciousness. The same as the ET hypothesis cannot explain the questions that we have about the UFOs and stuff like that. And uh, that just seems it, 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 evolution doesn't jive with the way that I see reality. I think that th- there is some truth to that. Like you can see evolution working in some animals maybe, but when, when it comes to humans specifically, it seems that evolution completely falls apart because there's no explanation as to how we are. We have this creativity. I mean, create, I was talking to uh, uh, a guest that I had on the podcast yesterday about creativity and how I, I, I believe creativity is one of the closest thing to magic that we have available to us. Because uh, I also, on top of the podcast, I do you know, play music, I do digital art. So I'm, I'm always trying to do these creative things. And I have no idea where these ideas come from in many cases. I mean, they kind of just float up from somewhere. And sometimes it seems like I'm given these ideas from something. Sometimes it seems like they just appear from nothing. And that to me is you know, almost supernatural, you know, very magical. And I don't think that evolution can really explain how things like creativity just bubble up from 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 the you know the juices of of the earth you know it just doesn't doesn't cut it for me so i just think i mean truth is that i think existence is magic and supernatural and just something that that is completely beyond the scientific explanations that we are given 
I'm completely with you. And I, I completely agree also on the transhumanism type of an element that you were talking about. I Because let's say, for instance, okay, yes, I, I think a lot of that is rooted out of the fear of what happens after we die or their separation from the authenticity that is what it is to be here. Like we know that this is a dualistic universe. And I think people who look into things like we do, we kind of appreciate the dark side of what's here because it's necessary. We know that it's necessary for the experience. So not only does it have to be here, but it's a welcomed part for us, for folks like us, because we realize that that's how we grow. That's how we learn. When you're placed in a place where it's just all rainbows and sunshine all the time, you don't grow from that. You can't learn. And that's like back to the matrix thing. Where they say we tried, we made a perfect one, but no one accepted the program. You need you need challenges, you need adversity, right? But to the transhumanism part of it, I think it's got a fear and a disconnect to do with what really this whole place is all about. Because what it shows more than anything is a reactionary to the unknowns of physicality, right? And so whenever people say that they want to live forever, it's because they're scared of dying. Um, or they've got, you know, a project that they want to work on, you know, and this is one of the things that they talk about, about extraterrestrial beings or something like that, is uh, even kind of the greys are touted in some reports as being like automatons, like they're not real. Uh, they're somewhere between a biological and a mechanical type of an entity, but to the same idea. They just have a consciousness flowing through this mechanism that will allow them to physically survive longer, which would make things like building the pyramids or something, you know, pretty nice because you have like thousands of years to work on it, right? Uh, If you sign up for these projects that take a really, really long time, then yeah, you'd probably want to be a robot. But also think about this, anybody trying to upload their consciousness into some robot, somebody owns that technology. Someone owns the patent on how that works and let's say that you do go ahead and become this transhuman robot thing that lives for thousands of years what if in 500 years somebody sells the company to someone else and they just decide oh we're just going to flip the script and make all these things uh slaves for us Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it's better for our bottom line so you've got like all of these things are outside of your control so again it's you handing your fate over to someone else and letting them make the decisions for you even if you think that what you're doing is a conscious decision. Right. And and I think that the uploading your consciousness to a computer really only works if consciousness is comes from the brain, like people believe, which I don't think is the case. It doesn't there's no evidence that consciousness comes from the brain or that consciousness is even limited to within the body. Uh it's perfectly possible that con- that yeah, the consciousness it's both internal and external to our bodies. And how do you upload something like that to anything? You know, when, when it could be this global, you know, connection to the universe, how do you just take a little bit of it and plug it into a computer? It doesn't even make sense to me, to be honest, which is why I'm also so suspicious about people having this idea. Like, what are you even talking about? How do yeah. you, what is consciousness? First of all, explain that to me first, and then you can talk about plugging that shit into a into your laptop yeah yes no exactly we we still don't understand what that is and the closer you get to that mystery i mean it's still considered the great mist the great problem in science you know but i'm also with you on the scientist element to it uh i you know all scientists can be bought all people can be controlled and you know if you're funding research that then says okay well we're going to do you know this this and this and then you find something within that research that's counter to all of it let's say about the topic of consciousness. Uh, and then you have to throw it all out, all of that research out, uh, because it jives, you know, it doesn't jive with uh, the people that are paying you to do that. And the only reason you had access to the great 
awarenesses that you came to is due to the funding of these people. And this is another thing that lends to like the system around us. You know, I think this is a huge game. It's like a big, um, what do they call those escape rooms, right? It's like a big escape room. You've got all these challenges here. You've got these puzzles to figure out. And if you do it right, then you, you escape the room, right? Uh, or you don't escape the room and then you come back and do a different one next week because they wouldn't put you in the same one to figure out because you'd be jumped jump started to the end you'd go straight to the end and go okay here's where we messed up this is all we need to figure out and then we're out um so what do you think about uh let's switch gears here real quick uh what do you think about disclosure do you think disclosure is important um i don't i don't pay a whole lot of attention to the disclosure stuff these days because it's kind of again boil it down to I don't think that anybody, the government or whomever, has any idea what any of this stuff is. So you can't disclose something that you have no idea what it is. And so that's my, my basic thoughts on that, that, yeah, they can tell us, oh, we, we have a craft over in Nevada somewhere. It's like, yeah, I already kind of figured that. But what, what does it do? How do you, where does it come from? Why, why did, did it crash land here? Those are the questions that I, I would consider real disclosure. And I don't think that anybody has the answer to those. So when I hear I, that to me is propaganda, to be honest, disclosure. Yes, agreed. Uh, completely agreed. And this is the part that I it's the one question I've been asking lately about disclosure. I haven't heard anybody ask, ask. like everybody's like, oh, disclosure, all oh, disclosure. It's like, well, why is disclosure important? I am um, a big conspiracy theorist like you. And I think anything that comes from daddy government, who we've had a very toxic relationship with for a very long time, uh, is going to be propaganda in some way. It is going to be designed to take your rights away from you and and maintain more control. Uh, the Project Bluebeam idea, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be something that they will leverage into control over the human populace. They, it, it's been happening since the beginning of time, if not longer than that. And so why the hell would we believe anything that they tell us as truth about anything, least of all the most amazing thing happening with us? Now, I'm with you also. I think they either know exactly what's going on or they have no fucking clue. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of one or the other for me. It's it's That's how it is with me personally. It's extremes. It's either all one or this is a dream or it's a simulation or the government's completely lying to you or they just don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know, man. Yeah. And I think video games are also a clue that about this whole learning experience, because, for example, I mean, I've been doing a little bit more gaming recently. Uh, God of War, something I've gotten into in the last couple of years. I'm waiting for the next one. Um, but a game like that, you, you can clearly see some similarities between a game like that and real life. How like, you know, or most games really, because you start off level one, you have no weapons, you have shitty weapons, yes. you have no money and you're just struggling through the basic stuff. And then at level 10, you're like, God, if I only had this sword back at level two, I would have kicked some ass. But, <laughs> but then, you know, level two would not have been as fun if you had that sword because you just would have, would have kicked some ass, everybody's ass. And it's, and the whole point of it was to struggle through level one through nine before you got that sword. And uh, God of War specifically, it has this really like rich story behind the, the whole game. And, and I'm playing this game and I'm like, I kind of like, I mean, I, I, I don't have any kids, but I'm like, this kind of makes me want to be a good father if I ever do have kids, this storyline here. And so... And in that game alone, the character travels to different realms and stuff like that. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, this is explain much of reality. There are these other realms. You're just learning. You're struggling through these levels, trying to just figure what out what's going on. And 
a, a dead giveaway too is the NPCs in these games. Yes, I think yes. that if this is a simulation, then for sure a, a good portion, if not the majority of people, are some kind of like NPC, which is you know they they only have a certain level of. Um, of programming that, that only allows them to understand up to a certain degree, because when you just talk to certain people, you just, you just get the feeling that like, wow, you just really, you just cannot think to this degree and not to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm this genius or whatever. No, but it's more about having an open mind and being open to these ideas that are really, I mean, they're very tangible and very, very real. Um, like there's a um, there's a scene in the movie called The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Great film. movie, man. Good pull. Yeah, yeah. old school. Uh, there's, God. There's a scene. Um, one of my favorite scenes where Alec Baldwin's character he's walking uh, in the street and he he because he has these psychic powers he's able to see this monolithic tower hotel that is there, but everybody else just sees an empty lot. Yes. And he's just like oh, he's like in awe of this thing and he grabs somebody walking by. Like, hey, buddy, buddy do you see this thing, this, this, this tower right here? And the guy's like, oh, get, fuck off or whatever. And he just keeps walking. And he's like, they don't see it. And that's how I feel that, you know, some of us who really have uh, gone down these rabbit holes and really open our minds to these ideas, we see the, the tower, but most people, they don't see it. And I, I think that it's not from this inability to see. I think deep down, it's, um, they don't want to see because it's some of these ideas are very scary. I mean, they, what UFOs are, if they're not ETs, is a scary idea. Um, afterlife is itself a kind of a scary idea for certain people. And that, I think, really gets to the bottom of this. That there's a fear of seeing. It's not so much the inability to see, but there's a fear to see, and they just don't see. They, they look away. They might actually see, but they just look away and pretend to not see. Yeah, and these NPCs and and what you're talking about, these artifacts of the Matrix is what I call them. And I think that that's absolutely right. I think that's what's going on with these people who, yeah, lack. I'm just going to even say it, it takes one question. That's it. To break out of the Matrix, to break out of everything. All you have to do is question one stable thing in your life and it leads you to a million more. And that's when you wake up. If we're doing the air quotes, wake up. Right. And it's just like, huh. Why did Building 7 just fall, you know? And why did they report that it had fallen when it's in the background? You know, that right. reporter, what's what's up with that? Or, um, wow, maybe God isn't all there is. Or maybe that uh, religions, basically, maybe there is no hell. All you have to do is ask that one damn question and then be inquisitive enough to follow up on yourself and to answer that question as best you can for yourself, or at least just glance in the direction of some alternative ideas, alternative history. And there are simple ones. There are stair-step ones, right? Like the Mandela effect. When you start figuring out what the hell that is or start relating to that, it's crazy and it's cool, but it takes that one damn line of questioning. That one spark is all it takes. And that's what's so cool. I think that's what waking people up is. It's just about asking questions that they can just go, huh, uh, yeah, what is that all about? Yeah, I think uh, psychedelics or even cannabis are like little, almost like Easter eggs that, you know, the, the architect or the game designer left for the people in the game. Like, guys, if you can figure out how to, you know, get a hold of these certain little bits of potions or whatever, and, you know, like in the video game and drink them up, it can give you clues that, that there is something bigger than what we are told there is. 
Yeah, they're like cheat codes. I've had a, a young lady named Kelly Hanner on the show, and she uh, wrote a book called Safe Travels. It's all about psychedelics and everything. And she said that she referred to them as cheat codes for this reality, and I love that. And, yeah. and back to what you said about the uh, video game analogy, I like that one the most. I think that it, now that we have video games in our lexicon that we have a reference to it right a reference of a possibility of a way of explaining not only our reality but our experience here and our i guess purpose if you have to put it that way but i'm with you i think it's a lot less dire i think our purpose is to explore to have fun and to beat the game at our pace right because if you think about it maybe this third dimension reality this is your level where you don't have the sword yet you get the sword in the next one but you got to kind of figure some shit out here you've got to have brown martinez on your show uh and then once that happens you check that off your list and you release the episode that's when you break the simulation maybe it's something <laughs> simple like that maybe it's just like oh well i walked between these two trees in a forest and that's how i broke out of the matrix there's a funny little meme and i forget if you posted it anyway it's it's got to do with somebody eating the little silica gel packets you know just like somebody's like no you're not supposed to eat that and it says do not eat all over it and he eats it and then he wakes up in a room and somebody says congratulations you've beaten the simulation right? <laughs> To go on. Where it's like this crazy, like, what if that's it? What if that's what's really going on here is something that crazy to where you just find a key in the middle of a wood somewhere and uh, you open a door and there you go, you're out of the matrix. And maybe you live this life over and over and over again until you can figure that out. That kind of shit blows my mind, man. Right. I think pretty much anything is possible except what we are told is happening. I think that that's what, what I know is just not happening at all. <laughs> My man, you've done it. Everything out there is an inversion of reality. They're telling you what's not true. And it's your job to figure out, number one, that they're telling you what's not true. And then to just do the opposite. I think it is that simple. You just do the fucking opposite. Right, um, yeah. You know, with all the crap, whatever the hell went on last year, uh, just do the opposite of that. You're going to be fine. Um, so... I think this was awesome, dude. Uh, let's let's get together and do this again. I think we're going to call it on this one here, but uh, let's definitely do this again, man. I will link all the ways, of course, to find you down in the show notes. Guys, go check out his show. It's one of my favorites. Brown, you're a badass researcher. You've got a wonderful perception, and uh, we can't wait to keep up with you and see where you go from here, man. So your brother, uh, your soul tribe, you're welcome on any damn time. So if you don't mind, uh, tell the folks where they can find you, and we'll call it for this one, Bubba. Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at Spectrum of Strangeness. Uh, I am recently now on Twitter trying to figure out social media for reels. Uh, that I'm under Strange Spectrum because I guess you can't do more than a certain yeah. number of characters, which is <laughs> <dumb>. silly. Uh, <laughs> on, uh, not TikTok, not yet. But um, if you want to email me directly at spectrumofstrangeness at gmail.com, I would welcome any comments or questions, any suggestions about the show, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Brandon, thanks a lot for having me on, man. And yeah, for sure, man, let's do it again. This was this was fun, man. I always enjoy talking weird topics with people who just get it, you know? Oh, man, well, we scratched the surface. I'll let you know when I figure it out. Uh, it's definitely not yet, but I think that we're one step closer having conversations with people who are capable of critical thinking like this. That's what this show is all about, man. Definitely. Um, so, Brown, dude, you're a badass, man. You're welcome anytime, You're a brother. badass as well, man. Thanks, Get man. I appreciate Get it. it. It's all love. <laughs> it's all love. All right, uh, we'll do it again, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Take care. Well, there you have it, Brown Martinez. His amazing show, Spectrum of Strangeness, is linked down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys go check that out. Uh, follow this guy, see where he goes with it. He's going to be doing some more stuff uh, for sure. We've got him uh, coming up on some other shows for us here in the future as well for some panel-type things that we're going to be launching into. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But uh, also down in the show notes is going to be the link to expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where links to all socials. If you want to expand your experience with us here on the show, 
show, that's how you do so. So go down there. Uh, we have merch. We have uh, rock fans over there. All of our socials, the YouTube, if you want to watch any of the videos from any of the interviews, uh, they're, they're up on the website. So go check that out. So uh, this music that you're listening to, guys, good friend of mine, Vinny the Saint. Go check these show notes for him as well. Amazing dude. Incredible music. Go check him out. He's a badass and a good friend of mine. So go out into this incredibly mysterious planet or place or realm or whatever the hell this thing is uh, and make sure that you pick up a piece of litter, uh, buy somebody in line behind you or near you, adjacent to you, whatever, a coffee, a water, a meal, whatever the hell you want. Um, Be nice to every entity, animal, person, lizard person, whatever the hell, Bigfoot especially, because they're big old dummies, right? Um, Allegedly. So uh, just be nice to everybody that you come across in this realm, whatever the hell this thing is. Uh, Get the hell out of the left-hand lane when you're driving. That is an awesome thing to raise the vibration on this planet is getting out of that left-hand lane. That's a big deal. Not a lot of people know about it, which is crazy. Anyway, uh, now you do. So get the hell out of the left-hand lane. We appreciate it. All right. So go out into this beautiful place, whatever the hell this place is, and above and all anything else guys uh just be good to one another thank you all so much for listening we'll see you next time